Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Home and home. Dallas Cowboys burning questions are all 32. Look at all 32 NFL teams offseason. Continues today in the NFC East with the most intriguing team. Sorry, Eagles, in the division, which is the Dallas Cowboys' new head coach. Will they hang on to Dak Prescott? Will they tag him? Will they give him that long-term extension he covets? Will Amari Cooper walk? There is a lot of questions, most notably, what about Mike McCarthy? Is he the right man for the job? And Tua? Could Tua be heading to Dallas? Or is that just one outstanding theory thrown out by the former Alabama quarterback in a new interview? We'll discuss it. Uh, it is a Friday home and home. Happy Friday, everybody. A Bloody Mary Friday. I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut, and Ross Tucker, Remains in Pennsylvania and ask Reddit is the spot for the most intriguing questions on the planet. And we answer Reddit every day at this time here on home and home. And Ross, I got a feeling both of us have plenty of answers for today's question, which is what do we do? What is that old person thing that you do go? Oh, gosh, there's a lot of, by the way, we need to do uh, one day, Dave, we need to do a weird thing we do. Like, what's like a totally off the wall thing that we do? I thought of it last Mm. night. I'm brushing my teeth, okay? And every once in a while, Dave, I'll be brushing my teeth while I'm peeing, while I'm taking a leak, okay? And I stand up, unlike you, to pee. That's a story for another day. And for some reason, when I have a mouthful of toothpaste and I just brush my teeth, I spit out the toothpaste. I spit out the water toothpaste into the toilet. And in my mind, a little bit I'm doing that to kind of clean out the toilet and the pipes. Like a little bit, I think that that somehow benefits the toilet the piping, whatever, because I spit my toothpaste into the toilet. <laughs> okay. Um, we'll get into that another day. Uh, and with that, we'll discuss we'll discuss how I pee sitting down on another day. But back to that's just a ridiculous theory that has no rationale whatsoever. To quote Billy Madison, we should all be considered dumber for having heard that. But 
Back All right, old thing, Reddit. old guy, old old guy thing for me is, I mean, I'm like across the board old, right? So I get up really early, like old people do. I take a nap almost every day. That's straight old guy, old person thing to do. Um, I eat dinner sometimes before five o'clock. That is yeah. straight old person thing to do. I mean, I, I pretty much am old. Um, I wear uh, slippers every day, and I wear like uh, sweatpants with some type of long sleeve T-shirt. Like, bro, I'm living the straight old guy life across the board, and I'm loving every minute of it. Boy, that is one lucky wife you have at home, and you didn't even mention the fact that I, I think you wear like socks and Crocs, don't you? Socks and sandals? No, 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 no. Yeah, you do. I am not a socks and yeah, croc guy. I am. I, I I wear Crocs all the time. I am very anti-socks. So you and I are on different, totally different wavelengths. I think socks are for losers. Okay. I think someone that takes the time to sit down, bend over, pull up socks, put them on your feet, and then walk around wearing them. And then at the end of the day, you take them off. And at the top, it's like they were compressing your gigantic calves if you're like me all day. Yeah, socks are for losers. Socks and tying shoelaces are for losers, okay? You know what's, you know what, you know how you know you've made it in life? I don't ever bend over for shit, homie. I don't have to tie laces. I don't have to put on socks. I either slide into the Crocs or I slide in to the slippers. That's how you know you've made it. <laughs> totally disagree. I matched my socks today to some of the potential subject matter. We were going to talk about John Beeline gone from the Cleveland Cavaliers after 14 games of a five-year deal. Socks are the shit, man. And I'm rocking some stance Cleveland Cavaliers socks right now. But that's not the old thing. The old thing that I do, you already nailed it. I eat dinner every night at like 5, 5.30. Unless, of course, my wife and I are going out. We'll go out at a normal time without the kids. It'll be like, you know, 7, 7.30. But I eat just about every night at about 5 or 5.30. But ironically, it's not because I'm an old guy. It's because my kids get freaking hangry every day at like five o'clock. And instead of just filling them up with crap, I figure let's just give up and have dinner at their time. So I'm actually doing a young person thing by eating at five 30 and by young, I mean, 14, uh, 12 and eight years old. So I eat at five 30 early bird special totally works for the Briggs family. I like it though. I like it Ross because you digest all that food and you can move on with your life and not go to bed full. Exactly. Um, I do it for intermittent fasting. I eat my first mm. meal typically when this show's over around 10.30. I have a snack around 2.30, 2, 2 o'clock. Then, I don't know, have dinner sometime between 5 and 6, sometimes a little bit earlier. Um, although, if I have dinner like at 4.45 – and I'm up past 9.30, that gets rough, bro. That that gets rough. Really Dude, rough. Dude, you are 
you are an old freaking man. You are an old man. I can't imagine we're going to be like at like 60, 65. Here are the top answers on Reddit this morning. I look up words that kids use so I can understand their lingo. Yeah, I guess I do that. I go to the I go grocery shopping in the morning. I don't go grocery shopping, so can't answer that. Hold books and phone further away from my face to see them. I don't know if that's an old person thing or you just got crappy vision, man. Even young people have crappy vision. I'm old. I got great vision. I don't know about those. Let us know what you think at RDC home and home. What do you do? That's an old person thing. But now we continue our all 32 look at all 32 NFL teams and their burning questions. We've been in the NFC East all week and we continue today with the team that has to be the most intriguing team in the division. Sorry to you Eagles fans, the Dallas Cowboys. A bewildering football team at 8-8 eight and eight, when I believe that is a Super Bowl type of roster. Let's take a look back with our Radio.com Red Zone at the highs and the lows and the many question marks of the 2019 Cowboys. Right now, we're in the midst, gentlemen, of Zeke Watch 2019. He's, uh, 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 he is not, uh, he's late. Uh, we have officially reported, and uh, so he's a non-report officially. Is Dak going to throw bombs down the field this year? How's this offense going to look? How's this offense going to look with Kellen Moore? All right, we have breaking news. The saga is finally over on the home of America's team. Good morning, Metroplex. Zeke Elliott extension. It came out as a six-year, $90 million extension. That, to me, is fantastic. I feel really good about Zeke uh, being in his prime for three or four more years or still being a fantastic player. Are the Cowboys good? Now they are at five and three. They've been really good against some opponents, but not really good against anybody of uh, great measure. This is this is the kind of question that I usually hate because it's so like simplistic. But the fact that I still, to this moment, can't answer it, I've been thinking about this for, like, the last 48 hours, and I want to say yes? Mike Fisher, his tweet, I'm told entire Cowboys coaching staff has been fired, and he tweeted out. I told a member of the staff, texted a person close to him, said we're fired. The response was, all of you? Question mark. And the response was, yes. Then two minutes ago, he tweeted out, member inside the Cowboys organization says that this is not the case yet. It may be the case soon, but it is not officially transpired yet. We weren't consistent enough. We weren't consistent enough throughout the year from game to game. We weren't consistent enough within games. Uh, we didn't do... Uh, the things that winning football teams do. Coach, what do you expect to happen next with your own future? I don't know. Don't know. We're going to go in this morning and uh, and, and we'll have a good visit and we'll see what's we'll see what's next. All right, it may have finally happened. Last night, Ed Werder's tweet: The Cowboys are moving on without Jason Garrett. Mike McCarthy era is beginning as he has been announced as the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. That is the biggest news of the day right there. And if you're just now getting into your car for the first time today, you're learning this and you're going, oh, my God, what's happening here? Next year, would you be more worried about the Cowboys offense without Amari or the Cowboys defense without Byron? Radio.com Red Zone looks back at the 2019 Cowboys. A strange season, eight and eight, three and seven out of the division. They lost four and six down the stretch, four of six, including that devastating L 
to the Philadelphia Eagles, 17 to nine. What lies in store for their future? Let's talk about it with Corey Majors, 105.3 The Fan in Dallas as we continue our All-32. Corey, happy Friday, brother. Man, it's awfully dark where you are. You got any light in there, buddy? Nah, I don't have any lighting in I, here. I got something out. I think, I, think it, I think it suits. I honestly think it's very <laughs> fitting considering where the Cowboys are right now with Dak oh. and Amari and Byron Jones all being free agents. I like it. I, I think you should be at a funeral. You know, the organization, okay, the organization, Corey, that for years was overly aggressive, was spending uh, spending money and contracts and giving guys deals, now had four key players going into the last year of their deal. The only one that they rewarded was the guy that held out, by the way, good precedent. You're sitting there. And then also arguably at the least impactful position. Corey, what the hell is going on with the Cowboys having three top flight players all about to hit free agency? And they're really only going to even be able to tag one if this CBA goes through. Yeah, it, well, and don't forget they also um, they also signed Tank last year. So adding that money to it, you know, that was two people that they said, all right, we're going to commit this money now, uh, and we'll look at the future. And then they added Jalen Smith to it as well. So they added nineteen million dollars there, which last year it didn't even look very well spent. Now a lot of people try to figure out where's the blame, where should that be? Should it be on? Uh, the defensive tackles for not doing their job up front or was it on Jalen Smith or Leighton Vander Esch wasn't looking very good and then he got injured and now it was all on Jalen and Sean Lee and could that have held up but uh, so last year was just it was a very very weird year and going into this offseason with these contracts they have about 73 million dollars I believe to work with but if you do a franchise tag for Dak which, I mean, the Cowboys want to use it. They're like, yeah, it's one of our tools that we can use. If it's still in the CBA, let's go ahead and use the franchise tag. And I think they should. Will Dak play under the franchise tag? That's a big question mark. Uh, you hear some whispers that Jerry wants to make a splash in the draft. So if they franchise him, will, and then he says, I'm not going to, I don't want to play under it. I'm going to hold out. Will the Cowboys use the number 17 pick? or maybe even a couple picks to take a quarterback just to be just to be sure. Uh, I mean, I, I obviously think their backup situation is is bad anyway, so they probably should spend some thought figuring out what they want to do there. But, uh, but, I mean, you hear Tua last night say that if he had his choice, he'd play for the Cowboys. So, obviously, Jerry loves a big spicy story whenever he gets that opportunity to do it. But you got 40 million, maybe potentially, I don't know, 37, 33 million. You got to figure out what the number is that you want to do with Dak Prescott. So you got to figure out how much of that pie is going to be gone this year with that cap. And then if you spend 20 million, 19 million, that his Amari Cooper's number is around $19 million. That's his market value. But I mean, everybody knows that wide retrievers want more. They want more all the time. So will it be about 19 million? And all right, so now you've spent. Uh, $50 million of your $20 million, what do you have left over uh, to add Byron Jones? Is he a $15 million cornerback? Is that what he's going to want? Will the Eagles make the, hey, we want Byron Jones, we want to steal him from you? Or will they try and steal Amari Cooper from the Cowboys? 
I think they have lots of options with the draft and free agency, but they have so many holes to fill. I mean, it's like 23 players they got to fill in free agency on the offensive defensive side, mostly the defensive side. And they still haven't. I mean, they have to address the weaknesses at defensive tackle and their weaknesses in the secondary already, which includes their safety position and losing Byron Jones would hurt that much more. Sorry, right, so Corey, there's a lot there. All right, let's start with the Dak Prescott part of it. You would you and Cowboy Nation prefer to have him on the franchise tag and let's make him prove it one more year, or would you rather get him locked up at let's just say 37 million a year and know that Dak's your guy for the next five? Um. Well, last year he had, you know, it was kind of a prove it year last year. They they told him go out there and prove it. And he got the yards, but they didn't get in the playoffs. So what did they really prove? So they said, all right, we're going to scrap the project and we're going to reboot it with a new coaching staff. Uh, so for me, with the new coaching staff, and I'm I'm convinced that the job was not gotten by Mike McCarthy unless he told the Cowboys I can win with this quarterback. So I'm convinced that he his part of his pitch was I can win with Dak Prescott. So if there if he if he did say that, then man, you just go ahead and sign the guy and you move on for the next five years and say that's how it's going to work. But if that if that's not the case, then I think that uh, they need to go in a different a different direction. Ask him to play for the franchise tag. I would prefer that he plays for the franchise tag and he actually plays through with it while also drafting a quarterback at the same time to look at the future. I think Dak's a fantastic leader. I think he's phenomenal at what he does on the field too, but there are some concerns at times about some of his decision-making and some of his accuracy and throws. Sorry. Then, Corey, let's get to Byron Jones. And Amari Cooper, who's your priority out of those two? Cool. That's tough uh, because of what you can do with uh, with the draft. All right. So if you don't take uh, a quarterback in the first in the first round, let's say you don't take uh, uh, Herbert might not be there, but let's say loves what there uh, from Utah State. Well, if one of those guys is there. Uh, because you, you might have a C.D. Lamb, you might have a Judy, you might have a Ruggs. Some of the, one of those wide receivers could be a very good cheap option in the future for you. So I really like the possibility of saying Michael Gallup. You were a thousand yard receiver last year. Uh, you know we're going to go ahead and make you the number one because he was a one B receiver last year for this team. Uh, and if he's in his third season, can he take that next step to being an elite receiver? I'd, I'd hate to have to try to find it out, but man, if you can add another receiver in the first round in a CD Lamb or a Judy, that would be phenomenal. And I think I'd feel really comfortable with that. I think Byron Jones is is great, is great in coverage, and I would hate to have to be the the guy that has to uh, to throw his direction all the time or make the decision. Well, I guess I can't throw his direction today, but you know, Troy Aikman uh, once told uh, once told people. Hey, uh, it's not the it's not the guy that's good in coverage that I'm worried about. It's the guy that can intercept the ball. He was like, I can throw in completions all day long, but I don't want to throw an interception. And quite honestly, Byron doesn't do the interception game very well. 
most of the, the reasoning is that that's the way that he was coached, uh, coached to, to play the receiver, not coached to play the ball. And uh, but uh, we'll see if that changes with uh, with Harris now as their new defensive backs coach. Well, nothing is more fascinating than quarterback discussion and some wild theories thrown out there. Corey Majors, 105.3, the fan in Dallas. And Jerry Jones loves some offseason intrigue. Tua Tugavailoa added to that big time, exponentially with the NFL Network. Listen to what he said is his ideal landing spot of the NFL. You know, we've talked uh, about teams. We've talked to teams. Somebody might trade up, and you could possibly drop, or you could possibly go higher. We've been talking about all those scenarios. Is there any team you're looking at, like, man, I'd be good in that system or that system? If you're saying to me, if I could choose what team I want to play on, as far as my favorite team growing up, that I'd probably tell you the Cowboys. But, I mean, they're so far down. Bump that press No, no, I'm not trying to bump them. I'll, I'll learn under them. Corey, don't tell me for a second that Jerry Jones didn't love hear Tua saying that his ideal spot is with the Dallas Cowboys. Obviously, they don't have what it takes to move up to get Tua. But give me a wild thing that could happen this offseason with the direction of the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, man, that would be that would be an awesome scenario. Well, if you think Tua can stay healthy, one of the things that I think a lot of Cowboys fans take for granted whenever we have the Carson Wentz, Dak Prescott debate is Dak's been there for every game. Even if that Philadelphia game, he had a bum shoulder and it was, he wasn't very good. He's been relatively healthy his entire career. Tua has not been that healthy. Also, you know, Tua has been playing with, uh, he's been playing with some, uh, some very interesting uh, receivers, the best offensive line in the country, the best defense in the country. So, I mean, how much can you grade, what Tua can be when everything's been perfect around him. Uh, but Jerry Jones loves something like that. When he hears uh, you know, a top, a top quarterback say something like that, I mean, just remember what Manziel's situation was. Uh, Stephen Jones had to wrestle the, wrestle the card out of his hand because Jerry wanted to turn that in. Uh, something that I'm, I'm kind of keeping an eye on that might be really interesting for this offseason is I'm trying to keep an eye on Jadavion Clowney. I know he wants to break the bank, but for the Cowboys, this is – this is their opportunity to say, okay, where can we allot the best money? And I'm keeping an eye on if that if something wild was to happen, it would be to add Jadavion Clowney. I wasn't huge a huge fan of him and his work ethic coming out of college because I felt like that was a uh, you know that those were things that I was like, man, I really want to see a guy in his in his next season continue to be great. But I understood the business decision he had. His career so far hasn't been what I've wanted to see. But if you can add pressure and keep Robert Quinn add Clowney, uh, or add some sort of presence on that defensive line. This defensive unit needed that the most last year. So I really, I would love to see something like that happen this offseason, but that's a lot of money to spend on another defensive end. Yeah, uh, Corey, I don't see that happening. That would surprise me, but I guess, I guess you never know. Uh, I'm curious, we're about a month in here with Mike McCarthy as the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys is there a buzz? Is there excitement? Are people excited about it? Uh, not at all or kind of in the middle? Well, last year it was the big question mark was Kellen Moore, right? Like how's the, how are the Cowboys offense going to change? How's Dak Prescott going to respond with Kellen Moore as his, as his offensive coordinator and what new things can they do? And I think there were moments last year you saw 
oh wow, there is some interesting different stuff, especially with the motion and the the the, the RPOs, you know, all the stuff that they were doing there. It, it got really interesting, and then it kind of settled back into oh, this looks like a Jason Garrett offense all over again. So I think everybody's very excited, but there are a lot of question marks. Obviously, is the quarterback going to be there? He's been relatively quiet. He's kind of buried himself uh, in the at the star and said, I'm going to spend a lot of time focusing on, A, what a Cowboys player should look like, the physical build, their type of speed, what they really, what they really like most. Because obviously, you got to get your scouting department to speed on what your coaches want and what your coaches accept. I heard Al Harris the other day say, hey, just get the guys in the room and I'll take care of the rest from there. I love that. But Mike McCarthy's been very adamant of, I, I want to build the, the, the system around the player, not the players into the system. So I think, I, I think there's a lot of excitement because, A, he has the skins on the wall, and, and B, it's a new something fresh that's not Jason Garrett. And a lot of people around here for 10 years of mediocrity with Jason Garrett, they just got, a, got tired of it. All right, so, Corey, last question. We'll get you out of here. Every day here on Home and Home, we do an Ask Reddit question, and they're awesome. Today's question is, what do you do that is like an older person? Like, for me, it was naps or the fact that I, you know, eat dinner at 4.30 sometimes. Like, what do you do in your life that is makes you feel old or is like what old people do? I, I never did this as a kid, uh, but I have a I have coffee every morning now. I, I, whenever I was younger, when I was in my 20s, never had coffee. I was like, whatever, give me a, a monster or a Red Bull or, you know, a five hour energy. I'd rather have a, a five hour energy than anything. Uh, but as as I've had three kids. Um, I got there and there, you know, I already was taking naps whenever I started having kids cause you have to, but it is, it is a coffee every morning. And I just remember my grandfather and my dad, they always had their cup of coffee and they were always rolling along with that. So I feel like coffee is an old person thing. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Corey really appreciate the time. Corey majors does an unbelievable job. For 105.3 down there in Dallas, part of the Radio.com family. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you, guys. Have a great one. There he is, Corey Majors from 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. Dave Briggs and I are going to talk about those Cowboys a little bit. Then there's a lot of other topics we want to dive into. Is the grass always greener? And what is Dave Ortiz talking about? We'll discuss when we return here to Home and Home, a radio.com sports original. All right, we're back on a Friday Home and Home as we wrap up our all 32 look at all 32 NFL teams and their offseason plans. Are they on the incline or decline? And this week it's been all NFC East. Just spoke with Corey Majors, 105.3 The Fan in Dallas about where that team is headed after that bizarre 8-8 season in which they were hard to figure out offensively, hard to figure out defensively, who exactly is that Dallas Cowboys team? Just look at them down the stretch. I mean, 44 points, then 9 points, then 47 points. It was hard to figure out just what that identity of Dallas is and in what direction they're headed. I love the hire, Ross, of Mike McCarthy 
And that's why I, with my bold offseason prediction, say that the Dallas Cowboys win the NFC East in part because of a pattern. They won it in 14, 16, and 18. The following seasons after that, they missed the postseason. It's back to 2020. They win the division. And in fact, they represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. I know. I've been drinking, right? Wow. Yeah, I think you have been. I mean, I don't know how you say that now, especially with Amari Cooper and Byron Jones looking like they're going to hit free agency and very possibly neither one of them be back if the Cowboys don't get a deal done with Dak Prescott that allows them to franchise tag one of those other two guys. I don't know how you say that right now. I was actually going to comment that I don't feel as good about the Dallas Cowboys right now. And it's really bizarre to me, and we talked about this with Corey, but, you know, Jerry Jones was always known as kind of a wheeling and dealing, free spender, willing to pay any anything it takes to try to win a championship. And, hey, I respected that. I thought at times that there were some poor deals. Roy Williams, the receiver, comes to mind for sure. Some poor deals that he did. Under Stephen Jones, they've been more conservative, which I respect, but they are really messed up with Cooper Jones and Dak Prescott. I mean, they could have gotten all of these guys for significantly less money a year or two ago. I mean, Amari Cooper, you got to get him signed to a deal when you make that trade for the first round pick. Dak Prescott. You, you don't let a guy, a quarterback, go into the last year of his deal like that. Okay, now you put the franchise tag on him? Wow, then he's really got you the year after that. Byron Jones is their best corner. You, you couldn't get a deal done with him? And out of all of the people you pay, you paid a running back? And I love Zeke. I think he's fantastic. But you paid a running back who, number one – doesn't have as much to say about wins and losses. And number two, ask Arizona how that went with David Johnson. Or ask the Rams how it went with Todd Gurley. Or the Falcons and Devontae Freeman. There's a graveyard of guys that got big contracts that haven't been able to live up to them at the running back position. Maybe just ask the Jets about Le'Veon Bell. Right. What I want to ask you about is what you made of Emmett Smith's suggestion earlier this week that Dak Prescott should give the Cowboys some of some hometown love and a bit of a Dallas discount, if you will. Now, he was hammered by current and former players, by media types like us. I will say this. It's not my position to tell a guy when he should give a team a hometown discount per se and not do what's best for his family. But I will say this about what Emmett's suggestion was, Ross. If I'm Dak Prescott and I'm weighing, let's just throw out some numbers, $30 million a year with Dallas, $33 million a year someplace else, I think it is actually worth more money to stay in Dallas with the star, with all the things they have available to them in Dallas, with that organization, with the community, with a rabid fan base. Again, I'm not suggesting he should not do what's best for he and his family. I'm just saying this. I think $35 million 
uh, in Miami. Well, not Miami because you got the, the state tax factor. I think you should consider all things in terms of the whole financial picture with Dallas and not just a straight dollar amount. So I think there is some truth to what Emmett is saying. Do you? Uh, yeah, I would agree with that, Dave. Now, I don't think and I would never suggest a guy should take less for the good of the team. I think that's comical. There are ways to structure contracts that you don't need to do that or worry about that. I do think there's absolutely a lot of value to being the Cowboys quarterback. I think Dak Prescott realizes that. He's not going to come out publicly and say he realizes that or that he's willing to take a little less to be there, but he knows the deal, but he's not going to let them know that he knows the deal. They've said a number of times that that's the deal, but guess what? This is one of the rare instances where the player has the leverage over the team, and you're right. If it's a difference between $35 million in Dallas and $36 million with the Jacksonville Jaguars, I think he should absolutely stay with the Dallas Cowboys. And I think he probably will. And I understand where Emmett was coming from. I didn't think that Emmett, you know, probably not the right person, given that Emmett held out and missed games for his team to be saying that publicly. And got paid and got paid a lot of money. But there is a kernel of truth into what Emmett Smith is saying. But, of course, no one gave him the benefit of the doubt. We shall see. That's obviously the number one burning question in the offseason of the Dallas Cowboys, including the head coach and was Mike McCarthy the right hire. As we wrap up the division, uh, obviously you don't love my Cowboys to the Super Bowl pick. Who wins the division and why? I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles because they won the division last year despite the fact that the entire team got hurt. That's a pretty good sign. That's a pretty good place to start. And I've got a lot of faith in their quarterback now and their head coach. Love their offensive line, tight ends. And frankly, I have more faith in them and what's going to happen over the next couple of months than I do for the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, the Eagles might get Byron Jones from the Cowboys. So I'll say the Eagles, they're clearly the two teams. Wouldn't be shocked if the Cowboys won the division at all. But if I had to pick, I'll go with the birds. You'll go with the birds. I'll go with the Cowboys. A lot can change between now and the start of the regular season, even the start of uh, free agency. So much can change for the Dallas Cowboys, of course, with Amari Cooper, Dak Prescott, and Byron Jones. They got a lot of question marks there in Dallas. Speaking of a lot of question marks, Major League Baseball continues to deal with the fallout from the Astros sign-stealing cheating scandal reverberated across the league and right now across all professional sports. Everyone's weighed in on this. And one unexpected opinion came yesterday from David Ortiz, arguably still the face of the Boston Red Sox, even though he no longer plays with them. But I still think the most identifiable face when you think of that organization. Back with the Red Sox, just for a spring training appearance. And he took a different slant on this entire thing. Number one, calling Mike Fires a snitch. Mike Fires, the former Astros pitcher, now with the A's, who's the one who was the whistleblower, the one who told the athletic 
about the entire Astros cheating scandal. And here's where David Ortiz, one of my favorite players in the history of the game. Now check that. My favorite player in the history of the game botched this thing, screwed it up so big time. I don't know what the hell came over David Ortiz. Maybe he wants a job on TV because hot takes are what sells today. And I'll give David Ortiz credit for this. That is a freaking hot take, calling Mike Fires a snitch because Fires is the only one with any integrity on this entire situation and is frankly the only reason Major League Baseball did anything, even though it was a pathetic punishment by MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred. Ortiz took it a step further by defending Manfred and his handling of this entire scandal. I don't know what the hell is wrong with David Ortiz. A guy, mind you, that turned up in the New York Times as having tested positive for PEDs in that Mitchell report, and a guy who played for the organization who is currently being investigated for their own sign-stealing scandal. I don't know what the hell is wrong with David Ortiz. What did you make of his hot take yesterday? I was really surprised. Has he not been paying attention to all of the guys like Markakis and Turner and Bellinger and these guys and Aaron Judge and how angry they are? And yet he's going to come out and point the finger at fires? I'm like shocked. I mean, obviously, that's he's just being honest and that's how he feels, but that's not a good look because it makes you wonder, hmm. What In what ways did Ortiz cheat? Or maybe in what other ways did Ortiz cheat? If that's how he looks at it. If, if how he looks at it is that guy is a snitch, then what did he, would he not want people to snitch on him about? I'm really surprised, especially after he's heard how all the players have reacted, and especially after the Red Sox manager got fired as a result, for this to be his take, my thought is he's probably close with Beltran and these guys that have lost their jobs as a result, and he's trying to support them. He's had conversations with them, and they would still have their jobs if it wasn't for this guy. Yeah, it was a strange take for one of the more likable players in recent Major League Baseball history, and you certainly have a point. I know for a fact he is close with Alex Cora, not just played with him, but has stayed in direct contact with him over the years. Perhaps that's something, or he's got a job lined up on, you know, first take or one of those hot take shows, and that is a unique spin on all of it. Another I think my guy, Dave Briggs, just froze there. That's an awesome. You should just have me for the rest of the show talking while we have that frozen image. Uh, that's amazing. That is amazing. So what we could do now, a lot of people are just listening to the show either live or on demand. And so you're not able to see this unbelievable screenshot of Dave Briggs midpoint. By the way, he might not even know that his setting went frozen. He might still be talking, still be making a great 
elaborate point at this part. I, I don't know. It'd be pretty hilarious if he was. But the image is of him looking halfway skyward with his eyes closed and his finger up. And he is... Oh, there he Oh, he's back. I was making fun of you, dude. You were frozen, and it was ama- It was an amazing shot. You look. You were like this, Dave, frozen. It was not. It, it was not. And there was a finger in there. It was not. Uh, not what you should send to the modeling agencies. Oh my gosh, are you doing that? Oh, you just froze again, and it was even better. You had your tongue out, and I didn't know. I was like. Man, you're holding that that pose well there, but you were actually frozen again. This is not my technical day here on Home and Home. Let's just uh, hope I can survive. Are you already in Peru? Are you trying to do the show from Machu Picchu? They probably don't have very good Wi-Fi on Machu Picchu. Actually, you know what they probably do? They probably do to get the tourists to come and take pictures and then load up to Instagram and social media to try to get more tourists to come. I bet they have great freaking Wi-Fi on Machu Picchu. It can't be worse than this, bro. It can't be worse than whatever I got going on. We've gone from hardwired to Wi-Fi to poor communication. Technology sucks. Yes, I love technology, but not... As much as you and me, always and forever. What movie? I got nothing. Oh, come on, dude. But yes, I love technology, but not as much as you and me, always and forever. All right, it's two words. The movie's two words. N, D are the first of each word. And it's a brother. And I will say, um, I'll give you some more lines. Um, does he have sweet nunchucks? Is uh, it uh, Napoleon Dynamite? Yes. <laughs> Kit, his brother with his girlfriend, like LaShonda or something from Detroit. He He's like singing this song at some point in the movie. He's like, but yes, I love technology, but not as much as you and me, always and forever. It's amazing. It is amazing. You know, bad technology has just given us the gift of Ross Tucker's voice. Like, I didn't see that coming. I mean, usually bad technology comes with the bad results, but that, my friend, was absolutely beautiful. All right. Let me try to make one last point, and it will undoubtedly freeze up. Jonathan (laughs) Lucroy, who is the uh, signed to deal with the Red Sox as a catcher, I thought what he said was fascinating yesterday, not that they just knew a couple of years ago, that they had to change up their signs almost on every batter to fool the Astros. But what he said is almost all teams knew, at least in the division, and that they told Major League Baseball – And that Major League Baseball did nothing until Mike Fiers, the man who I believe has the integrity, told the athletic the details of the scandal. Which begs the question that I've raised in the very beginning of this, Ross. Did Rob Manfred lie about what he knew and when did he know it 
And if that, in fact, is the case, they've got to turn on him. And I'm not talking about the players. It's got to be the owners. If he did nothing with this scandal after being told and then lied about it to ESPN, he's got to be fired. I agree. I absolutely agree. I don't think there's any question about it. And I'm with you, Dave. I, I don't believe him. I don't believe there's been too many managers, too many players that have come out and said, we knew about it. You know that people would have said to the league, you need to check out the Astros. I don't believe them. I, I don't believe Rob Manfred. Maybe he's telling the truth. Maybe his underlings were told about it and they didn't take it to him because they wanted him to have plausible deniability. But that's about it, man. Otherwise, I, I'm with you. You've said that from the start, and I've been, I've been in agreement on that. All right, lastly, one thing I do love about this whole Astro sign-stealing scandal has begun to trickle out throughout the week and is now a trend from coast to coast, from New York to Pennsylvania and now out to California. And that trend is little leagues across the country starting to do away with the Astros team name logo in their little leagues. It started with complaints by parents saying we don't want our kids playing for a team called the Astros or with the Astros logo on their hat. They already had the schedules printed. They already had the uniforms made and leagues are pulling the name, pulling the logo and pulling the Astros from their little leagues. That is one of my favorite developments of this entire story throughout this past week. Is it going too far? Or would you want your kids to play for the Astros if they were in Little League, Rob? Yeah, I don't think they're making some big statement. I think that they're worried about the kids not wanting to be the Astros and or being made fun of and just not wanting to rep the Astros. I don't think it has anything to do. Like, I don't think that they think they're making some big social statement that will reverberate around the world about how they won't. I, I just think that they think, you know what? Nobody wants to be the Astros now. Nobody wants to be, no little league kid wants to be the Astros. So let's not make them. I wonder how long this story will last. It's got some serious legs, at least. A couple more weeks on this story should be interesting to follow and see where it heads from here. I am headed to Peru. It's been a terrific week here on Home and Home. Ross Tucker, I will miss you, sir. I will see you in a week's time and have some uh, some memories to share with you of the, the Incas, right? The Incas. The in How do you not know it's the Incas? You're literally going to Peru, and you didn't know you were going to see the home of the Incas? Wow, nope. man. You might be the politics guy, but I got you with history and Napoleon Dynamite. So we'll talk about it. Have a great trip. <laughs> see you, bro. J.J. Walk, come on this program next week and answer Ross Tucker. Be a man, Ooh, J.J. I would see love that. I would love that. <laughs> Hi, everyone. This is Dave Briggs. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. exclusively on the Radio.com app or at Radio.com slash home. Home and Home.
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 